0: AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix
1: It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host Bob Kemp
0: Here comes a jacket's blitz well picked up by Edwards a man it's Lovett with the touchdown. form dancing. Calm breaks a tackle to the end zone. Blake the great touchdown. Wolverines. The coaches, the staff, especially Coach Jerome Moore, called a great game. And I, I'm not saying that I'm in a position of granting who a Michigan man is or who isn't, who a Michigan legend is or, or is not, not the maker of. Of those two lists, but uh, I have nominated people before, and I nominate uh, Sharon Moore. A lot of ball game left. Yeah. <laughs> people, you can make of that what you want. Fafita making touchdown passes an easy one.
1: They're going federal right now on the Sun Devils. This guy's like 7 Eleven, open all day, 24 7.
0: He stretches and pitches on an 0-2 and a swing and a blast. Deep left field and she's going to go. Three-run homer. And the Sox have the
1: early lead. A couple of singles followed by the three-run jack by Eloy Jimenez. And that was gone the minute he started his swing.
0: Did you see a hole or anywhere for Jonathan Taylor to run through on that last play? That's what he does. Taylor looking for more. Taylor spins his way
1: Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at kdusam AM 1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on kdusam AM 1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, November 29th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7, the CFP, should George be ranked ahead of Michigan? Jim Harbaugh, should he leave Michigan for the NFL? It's kind of an annual question right about now. Uh, the U of A, should it be ranked higher than 15th in the CFP? The Diamondbacks, should they trade young talent for Eloy Jimenez? The Colts, how much does the Jonathan Taylor injury damage their playoff hopes? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction to today's pipeline. 10:15 around college football at Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. 10.30, it'll be interactive action 602 260 1060, and also uh, some local roundup and a little bottom line action for some of today's pipeline questions. Then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, topped by Rip from the headlines and from the wire. Then after the sports zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the extra point hosted by Caleb that'll include more phone call time at 602 260 1060. Right now, onto the pipeline we go.
0: Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion.
1: And we start with the KDUS poll question at kdus1060.com. Today's question is, should Georgia still be ranked ahead of Michigan in the college football playoff? And uh, Kayla has the early returns. I do. Yes, out in front at uh, 62% to the vote. No trailing at 38%. There was some speculation that Michigan might rise to the top after being Ohio State for a third consecutive season. Today's Twitter poll question, should U of A be ranked higher than 15th in the college football playoff rankings? And Kayla, what do we have here? We have over on Twitter at KDUSAM1060, no leading the way at 66.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 33.3%. The Wildcats are the second-highest team with three losses in the rankings, behind only 13th-ranked LSU. Meanwhile, also from college football, Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL. The last two years we've talked about this, and apparently we're going to talk about it again. The last two years he's had some job interview or at least discussion with the Vikings and the Panthers. And then on Tuesday he's rumored to be a candidate for the latest Panthers coaching opening. Should Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan after the uh, college season and return to the NFL? Meanwhile, also uh, flipping it back to the local front or flip going to the local front because I don't think we were there to begin with. We are now. Uh, The Diamondbacks might be looking to add more pop. They've been mentioned as a possible trade partner with the White Sox for Eloy Jimenez, who is an alleged outfielder and would be much better served as a full-time designated hitter. Should the Diamondbacks trade some of their top-level prospects? Because it would take more than one, I would assume, uh, to acquire the White Sox' Eloy Jimenez. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Colts are currently the seventh seed in the AFC. Seven teams make the playoffs from each conference. But Jonathan Taylor is headed uh, for thumb surgery and could miss up to two to three weeks, according to various reports on Tuesday. Are the Colts... Playoff hopes. Are they gone? But Jonathan Taylor expected to miss between two and three weeks? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. we get to all your tremendous topics and much more during day's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind. or you can tweet the show at kdusam1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam1060 basically the only rules are accuracy and objectivity if you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad you will be the target of this Coming up next, Corey. We'll have a news update that'll be followed by around college football with Pete Futak of CollegeFootballNews.com. We will talk to him about the CFP rankings from last night. Also, get to some of the coaching uh, changes already in this uh, off season, so to speak, at least off season for some. After those teams that are making coaching changes had off seasons during the season. Uh, those are just a few of the topics we'll discuss with Mr. FuTech. Also, once again at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, and also we'll get to some local roundup in the bottom of the hour, depending on phone call volume. You're listening to the sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 hundred point seven. those picks into gold.
0: Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show, here in KDUS AM 1060
1: and KDUS 1060.com. All right. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're holding the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Georgia remains number one in the next to last uh, college football rankings ahead of number two, Michigan. Out to the KDUS hotline, go around college football. We're now joined in the sports zone by Pete Futaka, collegefootballnews.com. And Pete, always good to have you. Uh, the uh, college football playoff. Uh, is lack drama during November. Ohio State's the only top-eight team from week one that has actually lost, and they lost another top-eight team. How surprised are you that there has been little chaos in the last four weeks, and why have there been so few upsets over this stretch? It's never happened before.
0: I mean, we've never had, in the history of college football, that we've never had five 10-0 Power 5-level uh, college football teams. I mean, there's been like, years where we've had like 10-0-1 but way, way back in the day, but never like per, five perfect teams, and they just kind of keep winning. And obviously, Ohio, someone had to lose Michigan to Ohio State, so even that was close, but Texas keeps winning, Oregon keeps winning, and it has made this. It, it, we've never seen anything like it. So uh, it's just kind of how the schedules played out, and we just aren't getting the upsets that always sort of fall this time of year. It's almost like everyone's sort of prepared for uh, what's coming. And now we've got just this big, giant, interesting pickle in this final weekend where if – this is going to be the weirdest part because in the college football playoff era, we really haven't had any massive upsets in the conference championships. I mean, there's been a – you know, maybe a a two-point underdog here or, you know – Utah beating USC last year there. But not, we haven't had, like, Iowa beating Michigan or anything massive like that. So you got to kind of assume if everything goes chalk, this thing is going to go haywire in a couple days.
1: There was some discussion that Michigan might actually move ahead of Georgia after Michigan's win over Ohio State. You okay with Georgia still one and Michigan a two?
0: Not really, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Michigan's got the better win. Georgia. I think we're. I think everyone just overrates Georgia just because it's Georgia. If you actually look at their body of work, and it kind of keeps getting blown off that they're good, but the SEC isn't. You know, the SEC is the worst of the Power Five conferences and head-to-head with other Power Five teams. If you look at the schedule, okay, they were great against you know Missouri and Ole Miss, which is fine, and I know they're ranked relatively well by the college football playoff but it's not like beating i know penn state's lower it's not like beating penn state penn state's better than missouri and ole miss and it's not like to me even though they're ranked lower it's not like winning at notre dame when they were red hot like ohio state was able to do so whatever you know it's, it's, it's no matter what if it was one or two michigan's gonna go to the rose bowl uh the sec champion winner is gonna go uh, to the peach and we'll just kind of, everything's going to kind of move on from there. So it's, it's, uh, it's not that big a deal at one or two because everything will shake out. And so, uh, the big question marks, obviously, how does, how do we do three and four? And the bigger question mark is what happens if Bama beats Georgia? Cause then everything goes crazy.
1: If that happens, if Alabama beats Georgia, what do you think will happen? That's where this gets nuts. Because I,
0: I am not buying in that the committee's going to leave out Florida State if it's thirteen and zero. It's never happened. For 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 if Alabama wins the SEC championship, obviously it depends on everything else because it, Michigan's in if it beats uh, Iowa like it's supposed to. So let's just assume that, and then it gets okay. So what else happens? Because if Texas beats Oklahoma State, especially if they do it impressively. How do you say, yeah, we're putting in Alabama but not Texas who beat Alabama at Alabama by 10? So your scenario is, let's say Washington upsets uh, – uh, it's quite upset, Oregon, and we have three 13-0 Power 5 Conference champions. I, I'm, I, I, I might be missing it, and I know there's a lot of other people who don't believe this, but until the college football playoff committee leaves out a 13-0 Power 5 Conference champion – No way, it's not going to happen. So you had Michigan, Washington, and Florida State at thirteen and zero, and let's say Texas beats Oklahoma State by like fifteen or twenty and looks great doing it, and Alabama beats Georgia. You might have a case to say the SEC should be out of the college football playoff altogether.
1: Hmm. Florida State, yeah, obviously Jordan Travis not playing, and yeah, Wanamaker was not impressive last week against Florida. If FSU stumbles a little bit this week and wins, but, you know, it doesn't look impressive, is, should they actually? Should Florida State actually be in the Final Four at that point?
0: Should they? Probably not. I, I don't think they're one of the four best teams. But as a process guy, like, look, I made this case in the first college football playoff where, if you remember way back in 2014, uh, you had the Jameis Winston defending national champion Florida State team that was undefeated, but it wasn't very good. And the schedule yeah. wasn't that great. They kind of half got through games. They didn't look the part. Uh, they just they weren't, you know, for being an undefeated Power 5 team, they just were just okay. And there weren't a whole lot of other options out there in terms of undefeated teams because everyone else had, had a loss. So, uh, And I kind of made the argument, well, if you're going to go for best team, this isn't one of them, and they got in. So we have yet in the college football playoff era to not have an undefeated Power Five conference team in the college football playoff, and only one time have we had a one a twelve and one Power Five conference champion not get in, and that's because it was Ohio State one year and they lost big to Purdue, and Notre Dame was undefeated. So Notre Dame is really a Power Five team. So, so really, if you outside of the one time, if there's no other options available. We have yet to have an undefeated or one-loss Power Five conference champion not get in. So, if they were to, if the committee does something quirky in this, they'd be breaking all precedent. And while yes, it's Georgia, yes, you know, it's you know, whatever other if, if let's say you know Washington loses or whatever this works, uh, but they've said from the start their number one big key criteria piece is did you win your Power Five conference championship? I am not buying in that they are going to leave out a 13-0 Power 5 Conference champion.
1: You mentioned that Florida State Jameis team. They lost by 100 points to Oregon in the semifinals, so as it turns out. Yeah, before, that was not that, pretty. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was not pretty. You're right about that, no doubt. Okay, back to last night. What kind of caught your attention from last night's top 25?
0: There is a lot of traffic you know, for, for some of these teams. And, you know, in the history of this thing, I think the stat is no one at this point, six or lower has gotten in. So, you know, it's, we're all just kind of, what happened? I think Bama beats Georgia. It's kind of my big call, but that's obviously just a projection and call. It's probably not going to happen because Georgia's pretty good, but really what kind of caught everything is that process wise, there's a bunch of mistakes here. I mean, it's, if this is next year, it would work out, but next year at this time we're going to care about who's nine, ten, and eleven, and the fact that right. they have Missouri nine, and Missouri is very good, but you know they, they find so you you, know, you have the, the losses to uh, you have lost to Georgia, but they also lost to LSU. Ole Miss beat LSU, and Ole Miss's two losses are Bama and Georgia. So really they should be Ole Miss should be ahead of Missouri and Penn State really should be ahead of both of them. And uh, Penn State doesn't have the one monster win except for beating Iowa 31 nothing, which isn't getting enough credit and beating West Virginia is not bad. And they've got a bunch of other pretty good wins and they played Michigan and Ohio state tough. They should be the best of us, which again, doesn't matter right now And it wouldn't matter next year because all three of them, as this projects, would get in. But this would get really funky fast if, say, Louisville beat Florida State. And there would be an argument over, you know, that 11th spot because Tulane or some uh, team from group of five is going to have to get in the top 12. So uh, you just want to see the committee get the process right. And they've really been all over the map with their criteria.
1: Pete Futak dot collegefootballnews.com, currently in the sports zone. University of Arizona, uh, you know, certainly uh, turned it around since Noah Fafita became the starting quarterback. They're 15th now in the CFP. Uh, what has impressed you the most about the U of A this season?
0: The lines. look, it, it takes a while. And that was when Jed Fish first took over, the, the main problem is, especially in year one and for most of year two, is That offensive line couldn't do much of anything. The defensive line struggled. And it's what, you know, a place like Colorado, for example, where for all the flash and all the fun, and it really was, like it's dog now, but it really was a successful, you know, a plus three in the win column uh, season for Colorado. Well, what they figured out is they could transfer Portal up everywhere. It's really hard to do that for especially the offensive line, and make it good right away. You have to actually Mm – that is one area you do have to build. And that took a a couple years, but now they went from being eh, uh, uh, awful up front to eh, to now all of a sudden being great. So those lines are starting to take over games. Uh, Fafita's obviously been great, but just the confidence that this team's playing with right now. And, you know, look, and the crazy part about it is if you look back over the season – you know Arizona's closer to being 12 and 0 than they are to being, you know, 7 and 5 or 6 and 6. So, uh mm-hmm. this has been just an amazing run for a program that has not had a whole lot of college football success at least at a mid-range to high level.
1: No doubt about that. Not much success for the uh University of Arizona football program over the years. The coaching carousel—that's uh, obviously started and underway. Uh, yeah, Mike Elko leaving Duke and going to A and M, or going back to A and M for him—is that the right choice? Um, and yeah, best guess—you uh, know—what you know, do you think? Uh, you know, basically of the Elko hiring here.
0: Oh, like okay, it's—it's like it's so going forward. The—the the whole goal in the for all these teams is to get into the top 11 and to do that, you got to go 10 and two like the, now it's the, it's an impossible, impossible goal to say, you're going to finish in the top four and you're going to either be undefeated. You're going to win your power five conference champion, especially in a conference where you have, you know, 16 teams where, you know, you can have, you could be really good, be 10 and two, and it doesn't matter. You know, so it's so going forward for a place like Texas A&M. If you're Elko, the the bar is going to shift. It's not going to be, hey, you got to beat Bama, you got to be better than Georgia, you got to be better than LSU, you got to be, you know, better than all these teams and win the SEC. It is, can you be the third or fourth best team in the SEC and do it and go ten and two? And so that's going to be the goal for Elko. But the crazy part about it, I wrote a whole big thing on it this week. Is that the odds are just, you know, forget, it. we can name any coach who takes over any of these jobs. The odds are really, really awful that whatever new head coaching hire comes in lasts for three years or more and wins 60% of his game. It does not seem like it should be that big a task to win six out of every 10 games for a new hire, at least. I mean, some of these places, like, you know, if someone's hiring someone at Temple or UMass or something. Yeah, winning 60% would be awesome. But, like, if Mike Yoko wins 60% of his games at Texas A&M, there's a buyout happening in a couple years. You know, so we're not setting the bar high, but we're only talking about, you know, how many coaches have actually been able to do this. It's it's really, really small. We're only talking about, like, 30-ish or so who've been able to do this. And when you talk about, like, how many have been able to last for five years or, or more and win at about 60%, there's only about 11 of them. So the idea of will this hire work, probably not. Probably not at the level because they just don't. It, it, it takes something really ridiculously lucky for a coach to, again, win at a relatively consistent level and stay around. Now, would you say that, you know, Jed Fish isn't in, in there, but would you say that hire has worked? Yeah, because he's building it. You know, sometimes it takes a while. so you have to have that stability to be around for five, six, eight years and be able to build up the program like you want. And so many of these places, especially at a place like Texas A&M, who are desperate to win now in a transfer portal era, these guys just don't get that much time to work.
1: Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater, Oregon State, and going to Michigan State. I understand leaving Oregon State, you know, don't have a conference, basically, or you know who are they going to be playing. Sure. Uh, but were you surprised he went to Michigan State?
0: Uh, he's a very well thought of head coach and Michigan State's a different sort of place too, because they're, they're a little like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where if they get a coach that's, that's pretty above average, they will stick it out through as long as it takes. And, uh, the hope is to get another Mark D'Antonio where, you know, you have the one big giant year, you have another pretty good year and a whole lot of very, very good years. You don't have to be Ohio State if you're Michigan State or if you're taking over that job. You don't have to you – know, your year is not a failure if you go 11-1 and one and you lose to Michigan. Uh, so, if you're, for a place like Michigan State, yeah, okay. Here's a guy who proved he could win at a place that's hard to recruit to. And, you know, Michigan State can get recruits, but now you know, can he help out in the transfer portal? Well, the guy got D.J. the LA from Clemson when he was at Oregon State. Uh, and his style of play really does kind of fit what they're going to want in the Big Ten. I mean, does that mean, you know, that Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are going to, you know, wrap up shop and say, okay, we're done playing college football now? No, but it's a good, solid tire that makes sense. Uh, But, again, I I don't mean to be uh, kind of standoffish about this, but you just so never, ever know when it comes to these coaches and the gigs that Mm -hmm. they get, everything you think could work, all of a sudden becomes kind of different when they get there. And so you have to kind of see, you know, where things click. Do they get the right breaks? It's a whole lot of luck. What I kind of look for more than anything else is styles. And Jonathan Smith's style and what he likes to do really does fit what uh, Michigan State's going to want to do. And then, you know, kind of you know your general area down there, let's try something like San Diego State, you know, for a coaching hire where if you've got a program that's, dodgy it's all about defense and they got a shiny stadium that they need people to show up in what do you do you hire a high octane offensive coach like sean lewis so that so it depends <laughs> on the program and what they want to do with it and what they want their identity to be each every spot here
1: okay so kind of along those lines indiana fire tom allen is that a decent job is there a logical fit to who would be next you have
0: to find someone like a Sean Lewis type who has a specific style. You need to have an identity. You can't just play it straight. You can't just get something, somebody in and say, "Well, we're going to get the guys. We're going to, you know, block and tackle and do other." You've got to have someone who's got some sort of offensive system that makes uh, Indiana unique, or a defensive system that becomes the trademark and says, "Oh, we're playing Indiana this week. Uh oh, we got to deal with that." You know, I'm not talking about going to the triple option or anything like that, but you, you can't just say our, our 11 guys are going to beat your 11 guys. You know, because that's, you know, the defensive side of that would be, example, would be Rutgers, where you know, Greg Sciano, they're never going to win the Big Ten championship, but Sciano has that defensive style. You don't make a lot of mistakes. You slow it down. You play good D, and they're 6-6. Six and six. You know, They're going to a bowl game. That's a successful year at Rutgers. You know, and again, we in in these conferences that are going to get bigger and bigger and have 16 teams or more, you can't win every year. So you've got to kind of set the bar differently. So if you're Indiana, the goal is going to be, can you get someone who can, you know, win enough games? And look, Northwestern was able to do it this year. Again, Rutgers was able to do it. Just get the six wins and go to a bowl game. That would be a really, really good hire. And to get to do that, you've got to find someone who's going to, you know, I, I would feel like a younger hotshot assistant, like one of those 34-year-old guys, like a G.J. Kitty from Texas State or someone like that who comes in all of a sudden, we're getting his system and go from there.
1: Talking with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Are you surprised that Florida has not moved on from Billy Napier?
0: I still think he worked. I, I was a huge fan. You know, again, I've been cheapish about all these hires. That's one that I was really hot on. I I, I did I had thought when he was at Arizona State, I thought he was uh, just a superstar head coaching prospect and should have actually gotten the head coaching job at ASU. Uh, but I, I, obviously he was great at Louisiana. I thought that this would be great right out of the box. Uh, his problem has been defense, though. He kind of got away with it at Louisiana because his offense, the Sun Belt, was able to do, to do enough to get by. But he's going to have to do something on the defensive side. The offense has been fine. The offense proved it can be adaptable. It was powerful at times. Graham Mertz, when he was healthy, was crazily hitting over 80% of his passes. You know, So the offense will, will work. But they have got to nail that defense, and you're Florida. You're bound by nothing. That's where you can fix it through the transfer portal. I do think he is a great head coach. I do think if you can be patient, it will happen. Uh, but Florida, you know that's a place that should be playing for the national championship, not just hoping for a bowl game, and certainly not not going to a bowl game like they aren't this year.
1: Okay, last up, there seems to be always a surprise coaching move in December. Any guesses uh, what that might be this year?
0: We still kind of have to see if Harbaugh really does care about the NFL, and it's a, it, the NFL is a sucker bet. No one's going to give him general manager. Uh, duties or anything like that. Uh, but there is going to be the prevailing thought that, okay, if, if they win the national championship or if they, you know, come close and lose or if he, you know they get up they butt their head up against Georgia and they can't win that, it's like, okay, we can't get by the, that top ceiling. And if it just sort of seems like, all right, this all kind of passed over and blew over this year, but in a year or so there are massive suspensions coming, if there's some sort of writing on the wall, that would be the one thing where if some NFL team wanted to deal with him, uh, I actually like the guy, so I'm not dogging him. But, like, if some NFL team just wanted all that and wanted to pay up, uh, that would be the one move that would be really sort of out there.
1: Pete, appreciate it as always. Thanks. Have fun. Anytime. Have a great week. You too. Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. Excellent stuff there. Check out all his hard work, and there's a ton of it at collegefootballnews.com. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. And i get getting a, little, a few bottom-line answers uh, from the pipeline. We'll repeat the uh, poll questions, and we'll answer the poll questions at around 1230 today during the Extra Point course hosted by Kayla, so Stay tuned for the next two hours after the next half hour, or a little less than a half an hour because I went a little long there with Pete, but a lot of stuff I wanted to get in and talk and uh, find out his opinion on those things. So there, that's how that works. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7.
0: Sports Topics Weekly, right here on KDUS AM 1060, with me, The Doug Olive Show, 1 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup.
1: Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard 602 260 1060. First up, let's get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Uh, The poll questions we will answer during the uh, 1230 or so segment of the extra point. So, you know, stay tuned for that. The questions today are the KDUS uh, poll question at KDUS1060.com. Should Georgia be ranked ahead of Michigan in the final, the uh, next to last college football poll that came out last night? Also, the Twitter poll question, should the U of A be ranked higher than 15th in the college football playoff rankings that came out last night? All right, other questions here uh, from the pipeline. We'll answer these now. Uh, first up, should Jim Harbaugh, who we just talked about at the end of the last segment with Pete Futak, should he leave uh, Michigan uh, for the college season and return to the NFL? The bottom line is that Harbaugh has at least flirted with the NFL the last two years. This current Michigan team has more senior starters than any team in this week's college football rankings. At least they said that last night during the broadcast, so I assume that's accurate. Plus, uh, quarterback J.J. McCarthy expected in enter the NFL draft. So, it seems to be uh, kind of a prime time for Harbaugh to return to the NFL, uh, which could have 7-10 to 10 head coaching openings. According to uh, Adam Schefter's report yesterday on ESPN, Schefter, of course, a Michigan alum. Meanwhile, should the Diamondbacks trade some of their top-level prospects, that's plural, to acquire the White Sox' Eloy Jimenez, the bottom line is the Diamondbacks should not trade any young talent for Jimenez, who is strictly a designated hitter with an extensive injury history during his minor league and his uh, brief major league career to this point. Meanwhile, also in the uh, poll question thing today, or excuse me, the uh, pipeline question thing today, uh, the Colts, are their playoff chances uh, dashed or gone with Jonathan Taylor expected to miss uh, the next two or three weeks? The bottom line here is the Colts are right now seventh in the final, seventh, uh, the, the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC at the moment. Uh, they should be able to survive without Jonathan Taylor. First up, Zach Moss is one of the best backup running backs in the NFL, something we talked about during our fantasy segment yesterday with John McKechnie. And also the Colts' next three games are road trips to Tennessee and Cincinnati. Not exactly murderous row, even though Tennessee's been good at home. Cincinnati with Jake Browning is not much of a team anymore. And uh, the third game is they, have a, they have a, actually have a home game, in that third stretch there. So I don't think that Tennessee, excuse me, that uh, Indianapolis is doomed uh, because they're going to miss Jonathan Taylor for two to three weeks. There's a big thing here is that Moss is really good. And when Taylor was, you know, not playing at the start of the year for whatever reason, the official, the pup list and all the stuff that was going on when the season started, what the truth is on that. I don't think we know yet, really. I don't know if we'll ever know, uh, but you know, that Moss did quite well, and he he's a very good NFL running back, so they can get by for the next three weeks, and I don't think their playoff hopes are going to be dashed. Alright, quickly, a couple of local roundup things here. Uh, the 2-10 the, uh, Cardinals are 5.5 point underdogs on Sunday at the 7-4 Steelers. The line on this game last week in the look-ahead opened 3.5. The Cardinals 3.5 point underdogs. That line moved Following the Sunday results, of course, the Cardinals really not competing in a thirty seven to fourteen loss to the Rams and the Steelers winning sixteen to ten at Cincinnati. The Cardinals are zero and six on the road. The Steelers are four and two at home this season. We will preview Pittsburgh and the Cardinals in the ten fifteen segment of the sports zone with Ray Fidopoldo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Also, uh, the almost daily Cardinal roster shuffle continued on Tuesday with the release of three players, including running back Keontre Ingram, uh, who was a sixth-round pick in 2022. Uh, Ingram selected by former general manager Steve Kime, but it was believed then uh, that uh, Cliff Kingsbury had plenty to do with Ingram's selection. Kingsbury, while still a Texas Tech, recruited Ingram, And then Kingsbury and Ingram were actually together briefly at USC. You remember when he got fired from Texas Tech, he briefly took a job as an assistant coach at USC. And before he ever really did a whole lot at USC, he was hired by the Cardinals to be their head coach. Meanwhile, after the Sunday loss, the Cardinals right now are the uh, position to draft second in the NFL draft. Chicago's number one. Remember, they had that Carolina pick. The Cardinals are two, New England's three, Chicago's also four, that's their own pick. Uh, number five, Washington, six would be the New York Giants, seven would be Tampa Bay, eight would be the New York Jets, nine would be the Chargers, ten would be Tennessee, that's far enough as far as the, you know down the list here, except I do want to point out that the Cardinals also right now have the 17th pick from Houston, uh, and then when the season started, I don't know, there was some speculation. I didn't believe it because I thought Houston was going to be better, but not this good, but I thought they would not be, you know, some people thought the Cardinals might have the first two picks of the draft because they thought the Texans were going to be awful. And, uh, I did not, was not in that camp, but there's no way it was also in the camp that, uh, the, the, the Texans would be playing for first place last week, which they were, they lost that game last week to Jacksonville, but, uh, they, uh, you know, right now the Cardinals have the 17th pick that comes from Houston because of the trade during last year. Also, in today's local roundup, the 11 and six Suns look to extend their current winning streak to eight games tonight at Toronto. Devin Booker was named the Western Conference Player of the Week on Monday uh, for the week of November 20th through the 26th. That is eight, his eighth career NBA Western Conference Player of the Week award. In the first this season for him, uh, he obviously was great last week. Needless to say, that's how you win these awards. He averaged 30.3 points per game, shot 48% from the field, 43% from three-point range, 90% from the free-throw line, also had 7.8 assists, 5.3 rebounds, and 1.5 steals. Uh, And uh, the uh, Suns obviously won all four of their games last week, put up a season-high 40 points on a uh, 15-21 shooting performance in the the in-season tournament group play game at Memphis on Friday night. By the way, I don't think I mentioned the Memphis game from Friday night. Man, are they bad. Uh, But they also mentioned during the broadcast that Memphis has had more players, not just the John Morant thing, they've had more players out because of injury through the first, what is it, month of the season than any team in the NBA, so... I guess they should be bad at this point. ASU Hoops now 2-3 and three on the season. They play tonight at home against Sam Houston State. I've watched three ASU games from start to finish at this point and uh, Inconsistent seems to be the constant here. Uh, this group has been inconsistent not just from game to game, but kind of like from TV timeout to TV timeout within the same game. Uh, with the exception of the first half of last Friday's easy win over Vanderbilt, Putting the ball in the basket for ASU has been difficult. Uh, Basically, the uh, Sun Devils are offensively challenged in the half court, at least in the majority of time I've watched them play so far this year. But I do think they're a good defensive team. But they were a good defensive team last year. But they have a whole bunch of different dudes. Uh, So it's interesting that they seem to have clicked together more defensively then on offense, it's usually in college basketball or really anywhere in basketball, the other way around on that. However, rebounding, which has really been a kind of a weakness throughout much of the Bobby Hurley era, that has been below average uh, for certainly this season. The rebounding should get better with a healthy Sean Phillips, uh, who according to last Friday's ESPN uh, broadcast is going to miss two to three weeks with a foot injury. Uh, Phillips, a 7-foot sophomore who previously played at LSU. Meanwhile, the U of A, uh, 6-0. They don't play until Saturday uh, at home against Colgate. Colgate's had several good teams here of late. They've been in the NCAA tournament in a few years. Uh, The U of A ranks second in the nation in the most recent AP poll. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup. That'll be top five, some rip from the headlines and from the wire. Uh, And then don't forget uh, from, I got to get my times right here. I got to slow down and think about this, which is sad. Uh, From 11 to (laughs) 1, after the time changes, it takes me a little while to get into this rhythm. And then once I get into a rhythm, the time will change again. Uh, So whatever. Uh, From 11 to 1 to be the extra point hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned for that. After we get done with the Sports Zone, which has one more thrilling segment to go. In today's radio program, this is the sum that thrilling radio program with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. KDUSA AM
0: 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and SportsMap Radio. Catch all the sports Map here on AM 1060.
1: It's time for today's national roundup. Welcome back. Final second today. Sports Summit with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1016 KISS Lux HD2 100.7. And I uh, mentioned the uh, Suns and ASU in action tonight. Hopefully they're in action. They're going to play. They're scheduled to play. Phoenix at Toronto. And uh, the Toronto head coach Darko, uh, as I just found out during the break from Caleb. Uh, but Phoenix, a three point, two and a half point, three point favorite. Uh, depending on where you do uh, your uh, betting shopping uh, against Toronto. total in that game seems to be pretty much 226.5 almost everywhere, in fact. Sam Houston State against ASU. ASU's only a 6.5-point favorite against Sam Houston State. I looked it up. Sam Houston State's picked to finish 7th in Conference USA, which is not a particularly good college basketball conference. ASU only a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. A little surprised that it's not higher than that. Uh, total in this game, 138 and a half. That's kind of the consensus number in the state of Nevada, at least. Meanwhile, heard through the uh, – uh, actually, let's go ripped uh, from the headlines and uh, from, the, uh, from the wire here. Uh, the Raiders' next head coach might be former Stanford coach David Shaw, according to the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal. Meanwhile, the Vikings activated Justin Jefferson off injured reserve, reserve but he will not play uh, until week 14 because the Vikings are on a bye this week. Uh, at least that's the, you know, the I assume that's what they're planning on doing at this point, so we'll see if he plays them. Meanwhile, free agent linebacker Shaq Leonard visited the Cowboys on Tuesday, reportedly is in Philadelphia for a visit with the Eagles today. Not a bad idea by his representation. I assume there might be some kind of a battle uh, if Shaq Leonard's back, which has had two surgeries, by the way, now since he was last a good player in the NFL. Uh, I would assume that there might be some kind of, uh, I wouldn't say bidding war, uh, but the fact that uh, I assume his agent and he... Have a good strategy here. Let's get the Cowboys and Eagles to both look at you, and maybe they'll go after you, and let's have them bid against themselves. Meanwhile, the Bills are concerned that Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator for the whole last two weeks now, uh, he might be offered a college football head coaching job here at some point in the next few days, somewhere. Uh, Indiana? That, he wouldn't go to Indiana. But, you know, just trying to think of some of the places that still have opened. Uh, you know, Houston? That might make more sense, Uh, but uh, that's supposedly they're concerned about that. College football, Oregon State promoted their uh, former defensive coordinator, Trent Bray, to head coach, obviously replacing Jonathan Smith, who left last weekend for Michigan State. San Diego State's new head coach is uh, demoted Colorado offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis. Lewis, previously the uh, head coach at Bowling Green before he became the OC at Colorado. Um, they did well early in the season, and then uh, towards the end of November, Dion basically fired Sean Lewis, even though he stayed in the staff, but he wasn't calling plays anymore. So he's uh, the next; he's now the new San Diego State head coach. U of A fans, by the way, are relieved because defensive coordinator Johnny Nansen, uh, a rumored candidate for the San Diego State job, did not get that gig for whatever reason. Meanwhile, former Arkansas head coach Bobby Petrino returning as the def- uh, the, excuse me, the offensive coordinator there. Most recently at Texas A&M and everything at Texas A&M didn't really work out at all, for that matter. And also Wisconsin, 19-year-old running back. He's only 19, been playing three years in college football, but he's still just 19 years old. Jaden uh, Allen is uh, entering the NFL draft in 2024, I um, wonder if uh, people are going to think maybe he's a little too young from the NFL because he'll only be 20 then. So, uh, But he's, a, he's certainly a talented player. was injured a couple of times this year at, uh, in, at uh, Wisconsin, however. So I'm not even sure where his draft stock is, as at, uh, really, it, where it stands at this point. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours will be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the so with Bob Kepp, if I can say a sentence. Thanks for listening, and uh, uh, it's been fun this hour.